This episode of Hello PhD is sponsored by Promega and listeners like you. Thanks for your support. I'm not a cool kid. I'm not a cool kid. I don't fit in with the cool kids, I guess. That wasn't divine intervention. That was me shrieking from four states away. Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the people who love them. This week, Josh looks back at lessons learned from choosing and not choosing a graduate program. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 185. I'm Joshua Hall. I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Hey, Dan, I'm going to see you soon. It is coming up quickly, Josh. We will be at the American Society for Cell Biology Conference, Cell Bio 2022, in your new hometown of Washington, D.C. That's December 3rd through the 7th that the conference runs. Um, but you and I will be there specific days and times. Why don't you tell people what those are? That's right, Dan. We will be hanging out at the Promega booth uh, during the exhibition time. That's specifically Sunday and Monday, December 4th and 5th of this week from 12 noon until 3 p.m. So we will be hanging with our friends at the Promega booth, uh, and we're basically there to see you. So if you're a grad student, postdoc, anybody who listens to the show, and you want to come by and say hello, tell us about how grad school's going, how your career's going, if you want career advice, if you want to talk about beer recommendations, whatever, we would absolutely love to meet you and, and chat at the Promega booth. And one more time for future listeners, this is December 4th and 5th, 2022. So if it's after that, you're too late. Hopefully the regular <laughs> listeners will hear it in time. All right. We have a, a lot to cover, Dan. And so we are actually going to skip the ethanol section because I think our livers need to rest and uh, <laughs> get ready for seeing each other uh, for this conference in DC in a few days. That's probably that's probably safe, Josh. I will take this this moment to tell you uh, something sad and funny that happened to me this week. Um, I don't know about you, Josh. I periodically have dreams about grad school. Does this still happen to you? You like wake up in your dream and you're in the lab. Uh, that has happened to me. Uh, usually, it is a terrifying <laughs> experience for me. Like it is definitely in the nightmare realm because I'm usually in lab and all of those feelings come flooding back. Maybe my experiments didn't work or I'm, I'm not getting something done that I need to do. This time, Josh, it was really incredible. I woke up in, in the lab. I walked over to the bench. I think I set up a PCR reaction. I walked down the hall. I set up some cells in the tissue culture room. I walked back to the bench and I thought to myself, I was like, I don't actually know what these experiments are leading to. Like, I don't know which paper figures this experiment will support. I really need to talk to my PI and make a work pack plan so that I can have a direction as I move through my day. And how refreshing was that, Josh, that all the things that we talked about over the last five or six years are finally getting into my subconscious. Now I know what I should have been doing all those years in lab. Is it possible that Dream Dan is a better grad student than actual Dan was? There's no chance that Dream Dan could be worse than actual Dan. <laughs> Well, Dan, I, I'm sorry you had uh, dreams or nightmares about grad school. I, I can say, as I was reflecting back on some of my own experiences from those days in preparation for this episode, I definitely dredged up some some feelings and emotions from those days. So I guess I can relate in that way. Well, we are going to get to that, Josh. Before we do, we want to thank our, our friends at Promega. 
If you are exploring a career path or taking your next steps or thinking about a career change, uh, maybe you're applying for an internship or you're doing interviews, learning about any kind of professional development skills, visit promega.com slash hello career because they have all the resources you need on their professional development page. Uh, you can jumpstart your career. Once again, that's promega.com slash hello career. And we will be at their booth this week. So hopefully we'll learn more about some of those resources. All right, Dan, let's jump into our topic of the week. All right, Dan. So back on episode 178, I talked a little bit about my journey into science, starting all the way back in high school and college when I first discovered that research was a thing. And originally, I thought that I could share all these lessons that I've learned over the course of my entire career from college to the present in one episode. But as I started taking notes, I realized that that was extremely unrealistic, and I tend to be long-winded. You, you just live too much, Josh. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I guess so. So I think this is going to expand into maybe a maybe part two of a three or four part series. Uh, but it has been really interesting to reflect back on uh, my own time in training, Dan. You know, we talk a lot about grad school and postdocs and careers um, and answer questions from listeners as they're going through things. But certainly we draw on our own experiences. But it's been quite interesting to really dig in and think about what did I, what did I learn when I was going through going through this myself without the knowledge that I have now. And, and so today what I want to do is I'm going to talk a little bit about lessons that I learned in the part of my career where I was choosing a grad school program. And, and I know we've talked generally about that in the past, but I have some thoughts as I reflect on my own choices and thought process uh, during that time where I was actually interviewing for programs and trying to think about where I wanted to go and where I didn't want to go. It's a huge turning point in, in a career, in graduate training. You know, day to day in the lab, I choose to do this experiment or that one, or I choose this cell line or that one. Those are, are minor shifts. You can always come back and do something else. Choosing a graduate program is a pretty weighty decision. It's sort of a fulcrum in your personal uh, educational development. And so making that decision, I think it feels heavy because it is heavy. It's, it's a big choice to make. It is a big choice. And you could probably remember, Dan, it feels even bigger in the moment where you don't know how it's going to turn out. New, new city, new university, new people, it narrows your options, it expands your options, it's really, I don't know, Josh, I, I remember those times together, and they were not easy. And I think you have to be careful about putting too much weight on yourself, because I know you can really go down these weird mental rabbit trails where you think, okay, well, depending on what I pick, the entire course of my life is going to be different. And one way I'm going to be a Nobel Prize winner, and the other way I'm going to be laying in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> if I choose wrong, you know, you really feel that way. Yeah. And I don't think that's true. Don't don't let me oversell it. It feels It feels important. And it does change your decisions, but no matter what you choose, there are paths forward. Is that fair to say? Totally. And, and so I think um, these experiences I'm going to share and some of these themes uh, that I'm going to recount are certainly going to be uh, interesting and hopefully useful to folks that I know are applying now and are getting ready to go on grad school interviews themselves and make these decisions. But I actually think a lot of these themes that we're going to discuss are useful to anyone on any part of the career journey where they're at a decision-making point, whether that's uh, thinking about whether or not to do a postdoc and what lab to choose, what uh, maybe you're choosing between careers. I think there's some, some themes that could be applicable to you uh, no matter where on the pathway you are. 
And so anyway, if you want some additional backstory, uh, I do recommend you go go back and check out episode 178, where we talk a little bit about some experiences leading up to now. And I think where I left off uh, on that episode was towards the end of my undergrad career, where I discovered research, finally had some direction in my life post-graduation, and I had learned about PhD programs and decided that that was the path I wanted to pursue. Um, and as a reminder, at that time, I felt pretty confident about that as the path I wanted to go on. I was still only within about a year of discovering research, but at that point, I really loved it. And you maybe could say that that was actually the peak of my love affair with research, and it was all downhill from there. You were a baby. You were just a little baby. Yeah, I was. The you, world do, you don't know what you don't beautiful. know. It, I was in the new relationship energy stage <laughs> with my relationship with research. Uh, mostly kidding. But but you know, back in those days, uh, this was the early 2000s, I think 2001, 2002, for some context. But back then, for biomedical programs, at least, and like the ones that you and I went to, the new hotness at that time were these interdisciplinary umbrella programs where you could not select a specific discipline right away, but instead choose from faculty from a multitude of different departments. And I think I was savvy enough at that time to realize that while I was loving microbiology, which was the type of research I was doing at that time, I thought that was what I wanted to do. But I realized, you know what, I didn't even know what biomedical research was a year ago. So maybe it might be important to have the ability to explore research more broadly um, as an option once I start graduate school. And, you know, these days, many programs are interdisciplinary. I think they've those types of programs have increased in popularity. Uh, so that structure is more and more common. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense because biomedical research in general is interdisciplinary. You know, you might work in a lab studying bacterial pathogens, but your lab, you know, you might do biochemistry, genetics, immunology, computational biology, and so on. Uh, but anyway, back then, there were only a handful of these programs. And in addition, it was important for me to stay within a certain region of the country. You know, I wanted to be within the Southeast Mid-Atlantic region due to proximity uh, to my family. And I think it's probably worth pausing here for just a moment to mention that I think that's totally okay. Uh, there was a time when the conventional academic wisdom was you needed to be able to go anywhere to pursue your career. And, and there may be people out there who still feel that way, but we all have different considerations and priorities. And being within a certain region was one for me at that time, and I don't really regret that. I think there were still lots of great options. I think it depends on how, the time commitment, Josh. When we discussed Marshall scholarships and Rhodes scholarships and ways to travel as part of your training, that might be a six-month or a nine-month stint. And then I can imagine traveling a little further afield. But particularly for people who are really close to their families, they, their family is part of their mental health support network, I think it is totally reasonable to say for this five or six-year commitment, it's important for me to be close to home so that I can, or, or close to people that I care about or close to friends, whatever it is, I need to build that social support network and I can only do that in this geographical region. Totally. And, and I think it's, it's, it's okay and even important to be honest with yourself and think about what is important to me, what are considerations that I have when I'm even starting to look at what programs I want to apply to. And so along those lines, I applied to, I think, five or six programs. And I remember how excited I was. It was right after Christmas, my senior year of college, and I got an email or a phone call, I don't actually remember at this point, um, that I had my first interview uh, for a school. Uh, I think it was Vanderbilt University is the Good school, school. It was. Good school. Good school. And again, Dan, showing how naive I was at the time and how little I knew, I didn't even know until I got that 
recall that they even did in-person interviews <laughs> for these programs. So uh, I was excited, and I ended up getting several interviews. And and Dan, as you know, those were really fun experiences. Nerve-wracking. Totally, totally. Especially going into your first one, Dan. I don't know yeah. if you remember how you felt going into your very first grad school interview. It was like traveling into space. Honestly, I mean, I, I was I was on the campus. I went to Washington University in St. Louis. I, I had never been to St. Louis. Um, I was walking around the city, uh, a new city, this campus that I had never been to, these research labs, meeting all of these brilliant people. And, you know, I knew my lab or my two labs and my cohort of students that were in my program. But this was a totally different world to me. It felt like walking into space. Uh, totally. And there are all these other smart people there from really good schools who are interviewing and, and probably like a lot of applicants, I can say being as nervous as, as I was and as you were, Dan, I read up so much on this faculty for my very first interview. Uh, I think there was not an interview I was better prepared for. And to be quite honest, I probably prepared less and less for each interview after that, not recommending that people do that. Uh, but you know, you realize that those interviews you do with faculty I think you imagine they're going to be like this, this prototypical interview where you're just, these questions are being fired at you. Like, where do you see yourself in five years and draw the Krebs cycle on the board? Like a, <laughs> like know, a job interview like or something. Uh, totally. But you know, it was just conversations about science with interesting people. And so that took some pressure off. Finding out I got into that program, I think took some additional pressure off for, for future interviews. But I think what's important is you know, fast forwarding past that, on the next interviews I went on, I realized really quickly that that was a bad fit. Uh, just almost from the moment I I started in the interview, realized that was not really the the program for me. And this was the second program you realized, or you realized the first was the program second, was the good. second interview I did. Yeah, so the first interview I really loved. It was actually a great experience. And that school you named, but you're not naming the second school. You know, I would <laughs> keep some I'm schools <laughs> to protect the innocent, Dan. That's fair. Uh, it just wasn't, it doesn't mean it was a bad program, right? It's just sometimes you have this gut feeling like, you know what, this isn't a good research fit or personal fit for me. Um, but I think what's important to say is I don't think I would have realized how bad of a fit it was had I not done the interview before that I thought was a really good fit. And so, you know, for example, I had a conversation with uh an undergrad senior just a few weeks ago and and she was planning to apply to one program because on paper on the website it seemed perfect and it was close to where her family lived and it just really seemed like what she wanted in a program and i should say this too dan this program that i didn't like was actually the closest one to my family it was like an hour and a half drive so from that point of view it would have been great but you know the advice i gave her and i think is important um is I think it's important to at least apply to a few schools, hopefully get at least a couple interviews, so you really have a comparison point uh, to evaluate a program you think you're you might be interested in. Because I know that perspective of those different comparison points was really critical in me, not just understanding what was a good fit, but what wasn't. Yeah, beyond a few, more is probably not better, but having those options are important. Uh, applications are so expensive, and not just in the money for paying the application fees, but also in terms of the time, you remember how just exhausting it is to do those trips if you get invited to, and, and maybe that's changed now with COVID and things like that, maybe it's easier, but consider the cost and beyond two or three or four, 
I'm guessing that it's diminishing returns and, and certainly don't apply somewhere just to get the trip. Uh, we've <laughs> heard those tales of I'm applying to the University of Hawaii just so I can get flown to Hawaii. Uh, definitely. Your, your time has value. And, you know, I think being considerate of the time and resources that programs are putting in to, to you. And I do agree with that point you made, Dan, that you know, now in the, the post-COVID world, more and more programs are starting to offer this ability to um, assess the program and the faculty virtually before you fly across the country. And I think that actually is a good thing because, you know, how much better is it to maybe find out over Zoom that a program or the research or the faculty aren't a good fit for you before you take three days away from your life, right? I think I think that would have been great. That could have saved me <laughs> three days. Um, I want to say I then applied. I, I then interviewed with a different program that probably at the time was the quote unquote best program. I will say at least from a U.S. News and World Report point of view, you know, it was the type of school that had the best name recognition, a prestigious private school, you know, think Ivy League type of school. So it was really exciting to get an interview at that school. I wasn't sure if I would. And I can say my interview experience was a mixed bag. I mean, the research faculty were doing really cool things. I enjoyed talking uh, to them during my interviews, and that was cool. But, but honestly, Dan, I just did not feel comfortable there, and it didn't feel like me. Uh, you know, even the vibe. What does that mean? Didn't feel like you? What do you feel like? You know, I think even when I think about the vibe with the other applicants, who were also potentially going to be first year grad students at that school. It was just so different than some of the other places I applied. And even, you know, I just didn't feel like I fit with the current grad students. You know, you're kind of assessing not just the research, but you're imagining yourself um, as a grad student at that place. Um, it just it just didn't feel like a good fit. It's hard, hard to explain. Is it Was it an intensity thing? Was it a, a sort of cutthroat feeling? Uh, was it a pure focus on you have to do the science and science is all that matters? What, what were the elements of that feeling? Yeah, I can that's a good question. You know, thinking back, I think there was a lot of talk from the faculty, from the programs and from the other students applying and the current grad students that well, of course if you get in you'll choose this school because the name, like it's this school. You know, how could you not pick it, you know? And so I think it wasn't necessarily selling it for me like how is this going to be a good fit for me to be a human being here and a graduate student and grow as a scientist here more. Well, yeah, you should just be thankful to be here because this is such a great place. You know, that wasn't compelling to me. There, There is a, a an anti-authority streak in you, Josh. I will tell you <laughs> after 20 years of knowing you. And and I can imagine the peer pressure of somebody be like, hey, all the cool kids are here. You'd be like, peace out. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. Like, don't tell me what to do. I'm not a cool kid. I'm not a cool kid. I don't fit in with the cool kids, I guess. Uh, but you know, you but you might think saying all that that it would have been an easy choice. Like, well, great, you just cross that one off the list then. But it actually wasn't that easy a choice at all. And I ended up getting into that program. And even though I felt like it wasn't a good fit, internally I was having a really hard time saying no because of the name of that school. And and it wasn't just me. You know, there were similar to those people that I interacted with at the interview that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. You know, there were other people in my life, advisors, family who even started putting some peer pressure on me that said, "Oh, well you got into that school, you have to go." And and I can I can really remember this day. And I don't remember very much about specific interviews during those days, but one of my faculty interviewers at this school even said 
said, well, you know, choosing a grad school is an important decision. And first of all, you have to choose a town or city where you'd be happy living because you have to live there for five or six years. Makes sense. Totally agree with that. He said, but after that, you should choose the best institution that you get into. And of course, what he was projecting was there was no institution better than his. (laughs) So you should definitely choose that one if you get in. And, and I think part of that was, I, I believe I had even shared my list of other schools. And so he's like, well, obviously this one's the best, so you should you should come here. So I don't know, looking back on it, I think that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but I really was struggling with taking that advice to heart that the prestige of a program or a place was some valid measure that I should be weighing heavily when comparing programs. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's compelling. Looking back now after all of these years, can you imagine yourself having gone through that program and what your career would have looked like afterwards? I mean, would it have turned out just the same or do you think you would have burned out or gone to be a faculty member? What do you think would have happened? I think it's hard to say that it's hard to, for me to imagine that I would have had the same path that I have had now because I think so much of who I grew to be as a scientist and who I grew to be as having this passion for making training better was really nourished um, at the place I did end up going because there were a lot of other people there who were in very visible and vocal positions who also were pushing for those things. And I really resonated with that. And I don't know that I would have seen that as easily had I gone that other way. Now, what I don't think is, you know, again, it's a fantastic program. I probably would have had some successful career, probably would have done fine. Things would have worked out. Um, but, it, but it's hard to imagine I would have had a more satisfying career had I gone that direction. It is it is impo- an impossible question to answer, and that's why I asked it. Um, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, in a place where prestige is most everything, if your career is most everything, then stepping off of that tenure track the way that you did um, from your from your existing life, that would have been even harder. You barely had any support doing that, making that decision at the school you went to, let alone at this other school where the prestige of going there and going on to be a PI would have been even higher. So I don't know. From from my perspective, I think you're right. You made great connections where you ended up and you sort of found a path <laughs> into the career you wanted, which I think would have been more pressure to stay and uh, do something that some other people wanted you to do. My two cents. I appreciate that, Dan. And as you're as we're talking about this, I'm, I'm kind of smiling to myself because I think this conversation really mirrors the conversation the very first one of the very first conversations you and I ever had because you know I'll go ahead and fast forward to the end of this story uh, my very last interview was actually um, at the school that I ended up choosing um, I think maybe our listeners know that's the University of North Carolina as was where we both did our PhD but I can remember very well Dan I met you at our interview and you and I sat on this rooftop bar uh, along with a couple other applicants having this exact same conversation about weighing the pros and cons of these different programs. And well, I got into this really good program, but I feel like this one's a better fit. Should that be important? Should it not be? And we were, we were debating this exact same topic. All comes full circle, Josh. Well, I think one thing that's interesting to think about, uh, you know, now talking about the end of the story and the program I ultimately did choose, I almost didn't go on that interview. On the last one to UNC, you didn't almost didn't go. 
Yeah. And, you know, that was my last interview. And it's funny, at the time, I considered that school my safety school, quote unquote, uh, not really because I guess it was a lesser program. But again, I was pretty naive and it was a large state school. So I guess I just assumed that it was not as prestigious a program as some of these other sort of bigger name private schools. And and being my last interview, as you mentioned earlier, Dan, these in-person interviews took a lot of time. They took a lot out of you. Um, I was still a senior in college, so I was continuing to have to like go away from my senior year and be gone for like a whole weekend. And I'd already gotten into some programs, including the very first one I went to that I really liked. So I really thought like, well, why would I even do this? And it was even my spring break and I was, I was home with my family and I thought, you know, I'm going to have to leave, you know, leave vacation three or four days early. And so I actually remember, I can remember sitting down at the computer at my parents' house, starting to draft an email to the program director saying, you know, thanks for the opportunity, but I already got into these other programs. So I'm going to just, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And I, I really can't remember. I wish I could say it was some divine intervention or like light peered down from <laughs> heaven or something. Um, but I don't know why, but I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to send that email. I'm going to just, I'm going to just go. I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't remember why I did that, but that wasn't divine intervention. That was me shrieking from four States away. <laughs> Josh, maybe it was get on the plane. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was, but you know, I mean, it's sort of interesting and a little eerie to think, right. Is just that one little decision of sending that email or not, uh, you know, I would have never met you, Dan. I would have uh, had a very, we wouldn't be podcasting right now. So uh, you would have met great people. We've been to Vanderbilt. They're very good people there. They're very good people. Very good people. Um, so anyway, so I went and obviously we know how it turns out. You know, everything felt right about that visit. When, when did you finally reject the, the more prestigious school? Because that night on the rooftop bar, it was not clear to me which direction you were going to go. Yeah. And that's, I think that, is what is is interesting and maybe important for some of the listeners to know is, you know, when you're, I think, looking back on decisions you made, it can be very easy knowing how it turned out to say like, oh, well, obviously that was a good decision to make. But in the moment, even in the middle of this interview, having a great experience, you know, liking the town, liking the area, liking everything about it, um, I was as you said, very much undecided because still there was this nagging of like, well, but I got into this really good school, this really prestigious school. Maybe I really should go there. And and so I think the last, the last thing I wanted to say about this that was really important to me was I can remember that, that Saturday night before this was the interview, official interview things were winding down. And the faculty member who was the director of the program, I can remember her coming up to me and just asking how the weekend was going. And, and I shared that it was, going really well and actually surprised me how much everything was clicking for me. Uh, but if I was being honest, I was feeling confused because I really thought coming in that I wanted to go either to that first place where I interviewed or that really prestigious school. And now that I liked, you know, liked UNC so well, I didn't really know what to do. And so she knew that I actually had driven into town and, and she wanted to know when I was leaving the next day and if I'd have time to meet her for breakfast on Sunday morning before I left town. So, Sure enough, she and I had breakfast and we just chatted about things to consider. We just chatted about things to consider when choosing a grad school. And of course, probably in her biased way, uh, why her school, why UNC was a good choice. But when I think back on it, you know, I was, I was thinking a lot about that conversation this week. And I think what stood in contrast for me was how holistically she talked about choosing the right program 
versus my experience with that faculty member at the prestigious school who said, well, you just go to the best school, of course. No one's having breakfast with you at the other school, right? They don't have time for that. Uh, no, no, no. Why would they? They don't need to, right? And I guess that way of thinking of just, well, go to the best school really strips out, and that conversation really stripped out each person as an individual of what their needs are, their their priorities, their interests, and whether it's choosing a grad program or a postdoc lab or a career path, that's really what we preach over and over and really is important. There seldom is this one blanket answer for any of these questions that could be applied the same to every person because all of us as individuals, our values, our motivated abilities, Dan, as we've talked about on the show, our priorities are all unique. And I think that way of thinking and that perspective on my own training really resonated with me. Um, And I've taken that with me. Uh, And now when I advise students, whether on this podcast or in my real job, I think a lot of that first stood out to me in that very first conversation I had uh, with that faculty member at that breakfast on on Sunday morning. that it wasn't about trying to convince me to do something, but really just listening to who I was and helping guide me to the right decision for me. And I thought, you know what? That's the type of place I want to be. There is no U.S. News and World Report best school for all the people, right? There's, there's no possibility of putting a ranking that would apply to all people. Um, and so stop trying. And <laughs> I think, you know, what you reference, Josh, is you're, you're looking at some of the, the research going on, the faculty there, but you're also looking for these interpersonal connections and the types of people that you want to spend the next four or five years around. And, and I have to say, having been a lot of different places too, there are cultures to science. We talk about science culture. There are cultures to universities and individual departments and individual labs. And if you can tune yourself into that, kind of be mindful of how those people interact with each other, how they treat each other. Um, I think you can avoid a lot of problems going in. And it's okay for that to be important to you, for that culture to be a good match for you. And not only is that okay, but that might be very important for you to find a culture that matches you. And not everybody wants a hand-holding or a, a warm hug culture. Right? We've, we've heard from <laughs> listeners who say, I am so motivated to get these experiments done and to push the boundaries on this research. And my lab is so slow and nobody's taking it as seriously as I am. And it's driving me crazy, right? Recognize that about yourself. You will find labs that support you in wanting to be aggressive in your research. And you will find labs that are, uh, they work hard and they play hard. And you'll find labs where everybody goes very, very slowly and just pay attention to what suits your, your personal style. Totally, Dan. That that is a hundred percent true. You know, Dan. The the last thing I want to say that's that stood out to me, uh, that I've taken with me to this very day, is is how important to my life and career it was that this one faculty member took that time on a Sunday morning, and I'm sure she had better things to do. <laughs> All the official stuff was over. Uh, just to spend an hour or so with me, just to talk through things, and. And Dan, you know this, I was really on the fence about what decision to make. And that conversation absolutely made a difference in my decision making. You know, her taking that one hour truly did change my life. And I think it was for the better. And I've thought back on that conversation many times and her generosity over the past 10 years or so, uh, as I've now entered into a career where I'm often advising students and have intentionally tried 
to pay that moment forward and and show up for clueless students like I was, um, not trying to persuade them or push them in the direction I thought they needed to go, but really be willing to listen and help guide people through this really stressful and confusing at times process without any ulterior motives, uh, just because you want to help them make the best decision for them. And I think we both carry that with us, um, even in doing this show. Yeah, it seems like taking the time to walk with somebody through a process, she just validated what you already sensed, but she gave you permission to maybe reject the high prestige school to go with something that felt more right for you. Your trouble was you saw that, you knew the right answer, but you didn't feel like you had the authority or that it was maybe you were making a terrible mistake. And what she did was said, hey, hang on, it's okay. And you're making the right decision. And, you know, Dan, maybe that's something we do, uh, we can do uh, for for listeners. In terms of this show, we have people write in and they say, you know, my PI treats me really like crap, but it's probably just me. What do you think? We're like, no, you're right. <laughs> that's totally, that's terrible. The PI is there. always right. We always say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, thanks, thanks, Dan, for giving me some time and space. Let me share that. It's been interesting to reflect back on these crossroads moments and share some of the lessons that, that I learned. I hope that, that some of this, that maybe there was some nugget of this story uh, that was useful for, for anyone out there who's listening, depending on where they are in, in their career. Um, but certainly, if you're at a crossroads moment uh, or you want to talk through some of these decisions that you're facing, uh, feel free to write in to us. Uh, we would be glad to, to listen and, and maybe help you through it. And we are entering interview season. It is always exciting. I, I still don't fully grasp how Zoom interviews and COVID has changed everything. You have a much better sense of that than I do. But I have to, I have the sense that it makes some things easier and some things much harder. So we'd love to hear from our listeners. Um, specifically, if you're going to be at Cell Bio 2022, we'd love to hear from you personally. Again, we'll be there. And feel free to drop us a, a, a tweet or an email, podcast at hellophd.com. If you are going to be there and want to stop by or if you want to meet up, uh, let us know. We would, we'd love to meet you and, and say hello. You can also email us or tweet at us if you have a question or topic idea. Um, email us at that podcast at hellophd.com. Send us a tweet at hellophd. If you're liking the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love the feedback. It helps new listeners find the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron. Simply go to our website, hellophd.com, click the Become a Patron button, or you can visit patreon.com slash hellophd. Uh, thanks so much for the ongoing support from all of our patrons. All right, Josh, and we will take a rain check on today's ethanol. I'm sure we will more than make up for it when we get together. We will have plenty to discuss uh, by the next episode, I'm sure. We'll see you in D.C. Bye. Bye.